the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Sue Freeze Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. Now, here's Sue Freeze. Thank you so much, so much, so much, friends, for joining the Sue Free Show, and I am so thankful to be with you today. It is no coincidence that you're joining today, and there is a message here for you. Are you expecting? Are you ready? Are you ready for what God has for you? I hope you are, because I certainly am always in expectation of, of what he's trying to teach me, and, you know, the message or you know, he, he makes a message out of our messes, doesn't he? And what is the message? What are we doing? What are we doing with this thing called life? What are we doing with our lives? God has given us this vessel. He's given us this. And it's up to us to help him do what he is wanting us to do with our lives because we're not robots. Because he could have made us make the choice and he could have made us do these things, but he didn't. He gave us the talents. He gave us the, you know, the life and the breath and the brain and the heart. But he wants us to choose him, and he wants us to choose the best things that are going to glorify him and make us better people. That's what he desires. He desires us to have the desires of our heart. But he wants us to draw nearer to him. And if you haven't got that yet, I hope you get that soon. I really do, because he loves us. He loves us enough to sacrifice his only son for you or for or for me. And it's really important that we understand that. Don't take that for granted. Just don't take that for granted and understand that you're valuable. In his sight, you are valuable. You are so special to him. You, yes, you. Me, yes, you. So five lessons for our lives from the parable of the talents. And this is by Hugh Wetchell. I was thinking about the message today and I was thinking about my friends and family that I know that I just feel like maybe they could be doing more if they just believed more in themselves and, and, you know, took hold of their dreams and really, you know, strived for them that we could, they could get so much further and, and their purpose would become so just apparent to them and to others if they would just step out of their comfort zone and take that risk because we do need to take a risk. We do. Life would be very boring if there wasn't challenges and there wasn't, you know, there, there's a fear factor. There is. But anything we do, you know, it's, it's got to be worth it. And you've got to take that step, that step of faith, leap of faith. <laughs> he talks about the leap of faith. So how should Christians think about work, success, and wealth? The parable of the talents in Matthew twenty five fourteen through 30 provides a helpful framework for thinking about them. The parable of the bags of gold. I'm sure some of you have already heard this, but I want to go over it again with you because I think it's important for us. And maybe we'll get something different this time. 
You know, maybe by hearing somebody else read the scripture, maybe something will just glare out at you and tug on your heart and cause you to make a change or a, a, a you know, a, a choice change that's going to change your life for this next year and the years to come. So here we are. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. When you listen to this, just a side note, are you thinking about this? personally. Is there a message here for you? I believe there is. I believe there is. You know, I run a business. I have a business God has entrusted me with. It's called Ecola Termite and Pest Control. And right now there are 79 employees that are under my care, you know, that I'm responsible for. They're, they're absolutely God's children, but they're, they're under my care. I'm the leader of this company. And there are some people that, you know, their gifts are just so easily to spot and to, you know, to share. And then there's other people that it's a little more difficult because they're not sure what their gifts are. And I'm trying to help them find those to find out where they fit into our skill sets and, and where they fit into how to get the most out of our time together. You know, the ROI, the return on investment. I pay them an hourly wage or a salary, and then there's expectation of what is going to be produced and brought back in to the company. That's just how it works. So you could say I'm a leader. I'm not a master, but I'm a leader, and I give each employee, based on what they think they're capable of, based on what they've shown me by their actions, not their words. That's very big. Actions speak louder than words. But by their actions, I can see just how loyal or, uh, you know, invested they are in the company and wanting to do good for their own benefit and for the companies. But then there's others that just come in. They might come in 15 minutes late. They um, have to be talked to. They have to be, you know, pushed along or, or guided more. More time needs to be spent. And, and they come, they go, and 
I don't sense that their desire is to learn more, be more, and to do more. And that's kind of the same thing as what I'm reading here, is that some are just flourishing, and there's more opportunity for those people. And then there's those that just come and they want to just get their paycheck and go and live their life. And and it's okay because I think this world is made up of all kinds and that, you know, everybody has a place. My thing is, is I'm not going to hold anybody back. The opportunity is in front of them. It's whether they want to take it or not. It's up to me to um, express it and visually show it, explain it, and then they hopefully will grasp it. Some do, some don't. And that kind of has to do with the talents, doesn't it? It's kind of the same thing, but on a different level. So on the last one, the one that dug a hole and put his one, you know, the talent in in the ground because he was fearful and was worried and didn't want to lose what he was given to take care of, but he didn't do anything to take a little bit of risk or a big risk to grow it. And here's what God says to him. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest instead of it being the same as when it was given. You know, even in the bank, you get something. It might be 1%, but you get something back instead of just leaving it under a mattress or digging it and putting it in the dirt. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We have, we have one of our biblical principles is, and, and I, I run my business with biblical principles at Ecola, and one of the things we do is that we buy new trucks. Um, we, we hold them for a certain length of time, and then we decide that, you know, maintenance might become too much, and, and they become more of an expense than a positive thing. So we decide when that line is, where we decide we need to cut that line and, and buy new so that we can depend on the vehicle. So what we do is when we buy a new truck is we decide who's deserving of a new truck. And it's somebody that's been with us a while, hasn't had any accidents, comes into work, uh, doesn't, you know, plow on the, the overtime, and really has a desire to to dive in and be part of the team for a long period of time. So what we do is we give this person who has earned it uh, uh, the opportunity of getting a new vehicle, a brand new vehicle. And at the time that we assign a new vehicle, we tell the, the person that, look, uh, there's going to come a year, could be five, could be seven, could be 10, but there's going to come a time when this truck is going to be uh, taken out of the fleet. It's going to be retired. At that time, you will have first option to buy that truck. And this is one of the principles to say those that do well with little get more. They will have first option. So hopefully they take really good care of that truck if they're thinking that maybe someday down the road they'll get the truck. But also the person that took care of Little is the one that we look at and say, he is deserving of a new truck. He's got the great attitude. He's, he's really working hard, and he's showing us that he really cares about the equipment that he's been given. 
Therefore, he is deserving of getting better. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So here are five lessons that Parable of Talents can teach us about work, success, and wealth. First, this parable teaches us that success is a product of our work. In the book of Genesis, we see that God placed Adam in the garden to work it and take care of it. We were made to work. As Christians, we have a mission that our Lord expects us to accomplish in the here and now. The parable of the talents teaches us what we are supposed to do while we await the return of our king. We are to work using our talents to glorify God, serve the common good, and further God's kingdom. Biblical success is working diligently in the here and now, using all the talents God has given us to produce the return expected by the master. If you've just turned in right now, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. I hope already that you are involved in this conversation. And I hope you're thinking, I'm hoping you're thinking about you and those that you're involved with that um, are watching you as the model. They're watching you and you are impacting them by how you talk, by how you walk, by how you are, the person you are. It's really important. So this is the Sue Freeze show and it's Sue Freeze spelled like fries, like french fries. Dot com. So Sue Freeze, spelled like fries, dot com. You can go there anytime at your leisure and listen to podcasts, 11 years worth of podcasts, which is just amazing to me. And what a gift. What a gift for me to be able to be in a position to be able to do this with you. I'm very, very, very thankful and humbled beyond humbled to be with you. Number two, the parable of the talents teaches that God always gives us everything we need to do what he has called us to do. Now, you might not feel that way. You might feel this tugging and this calling in your heart or your mind or your, you know, just your spirit. And you're saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I can't do that. Maybe you can't, but guess what? God can. So I really want you to get out of your own way and get out of God's way. And understand that if he's put a dream in your heart, if he's put something in there that he wants you to accomplish, he's given you the tools, he's given you the gifts, and resources will come as you believe and you step out in faith. And yes, there's risk involved, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. Take it from me, I'll tell you what's worth it. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy, but that doesn't mean it's not worth it. So I'm hoping this encourages you. I know that you have something in there. There's something that you've thought about and you just kind of maybe even push it aside. Say, nah, nah. Listen, the dream that God put in my heart took 50 years, but it's come to be 50 years. But you know what I realized? Guys, this is what I realized is that everything, every hurdle, every roadblock, every lesson that I've learned It was to teach me and prepare me for the time when God would help me make that dream that he put in my heart come true. I wouldn't have been able to handle it if it hadn't been through all of the things that added up to where I am right now. And that's amazing to think about because there's a lot of years there. And it's, it's just amazing, but I just want to give you encouragement 
and inspire you to just do it. Just do it, Nike says. Just do it. Have you ever wondered what a talent is worth in today's dollars? It is hard to know for sure, yet whatever is its exact value in the New Testament, a talent indicates a large sum of money, maybe even as much as a million dollars in today's currency. We are tempted to feel sorry for the servant who received only one talent, but in reality, he received as much as a million dollars from the master and buried it in his backyard. He was given more than enough to meet the master's expectations. And so were you, and so are you. Just as the master expected his servants to do more than passively preserve what has been entrusted to him, to them, sorry, so God expects us to generate a return by using our talents towards productive ends. The servants were given enough to produce more. It is the same with the gifts God has given us, you and me. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We seldom associate this verse with our work, but we should. The parable of the talents teaches that we are not all created equal. Hmm, we're not all created equal. The most overlooked part of this parable is the second half of verse 15. The master gives to each servant talents, each according to his or her ability. The master understood that the one talent servant was not capable of producing as much as the five talent servant. We have to protest this as unfair, yet we know this is true from our own experience. Diversity is woven into the fabric of creation. This might not be popular for some listening right now. But even though we're not created equal in regard to the talents we're given, there is equality found in the parable of the talents. It comes from the fact that it takes just as much work for the five-talent servant to produce five more talents as it does the two-talent servant to produce two more talents. This is why the reward given by the master is the same. The master measures success by degrees of effort. Did you hear that? Like I was saying about employees at Ecola. Success by degree of effort, as should we. When I'm doing an interview or I'm doing a review of employees at Ecola, I will say, you know, there's different departments, there's different categories, and there's different uh, responsibilities for, you know, the level in which a person is delegated or, or working for. And I will ask this question, do you believe from one to five, where would you rate yourself as far as what you've delivered? And they will give me a number. And I will also have the performance review to where their managers, the people that supervise them, will also grade them. And it's amazing how different some of these grades can be. It is. It's really amazing, the difference. But it's real eye-opening to see that maybe we weren't communicative enough on what the expectations were. And I think that's, we all have to be very communicative of what we're, we're expecting in our relationships, whether it's at work, at home, with our children, with our spouses, even at church if we have ministry. We need to be clear on what the expectations are and what we understand the expectations are are for the other person. It is very important that we are clear. 
But then the next question, after they give the number and the supervisor gives the number, and then my personal experience with this individual, I will also grade them based because I'm very heavily involved in my company and every employee working there. I'm, I, I care and I'm involved. And so I will give my measurement tool and I will explain my reasons why I give what I give because I think it's important for the understanding as a whole that we all understand where we're coming from, right? So after that, I'll ask them this question. Do you believe you are giving 100%? So I'll ask you right now. Think about your personal relationships. Just pick one. Let's say it's spouse, marriage, or parenthood, um, or at work. In those three areas, those three categories, would you say that you wake up in the morning and you desire and you give 100%? Now, obviously, we all have bad hair days. We all have days where we're off, okay? There's emotional stuff going on, or we're just dealing with our own things. But as a whole, would you say that you personally are giving 100%? Because God wants us to give 100%. He's given us the tools to give 100%. Now, here's the big understanding aha moment for me. It's not everybody is equal. My 100% is not the same as somebody else's. And what I'm good at is different than what maybe you're good at. So I will be really good at something and I can give 100%. And it's going to be higher than somebody else that's not as good in that area. So it's really important to figure out what people's gifts are, where they shine, and let them work in those shine areas. You can't put a a round peg in a square hole and vice versa. It just won't work because we're all created differently and we all have areas in which we're better at. So the real key here is is to work with those and figure out what they are. I just find that to be very helpful. So are you giving 100%? Because that's what he's asking. Degrees of effort. We, this is why the reward given by the master is the same. The master measures success by the degrees of effort, as should we. The parable of the talents teaches that we work for master, not our own selfish purposes. The money that is given to the servants is not their own. The money they earn with the capital is not theirs to keep. The servants are only stewards of the master's investment, and it is quality of their stewardship that the master seeks to measure. We should maximize the use of our talents, not for our own selfish purposes, but to honor God. We know that we work in a fallen world because of the curse of sin. Our work will be difficult, but we should feel satisfaction and joy from doing our best with what God has given us in the place where his providence puts us, seeking to succeed in order to honor him. Five, the parable of the talents shows that we will be held accountable. The parable of the talents is not about salvation or works, righteousness, but about how we use our work to fulfill our earthly callings. It is about whole life stewardship or stewardship with a capital S. The unfaithful steward in this parable didn't so much waste the master's money. He wasted an opportunity. As a result, he was judged wicked and lazy. We are responsible for what we do for God with what we have been given. And one day we will be held responsible. What we hear from the master on that day is up to us. Do any of these lessons resonate with you? Which ones and why? If you don't remember something in this and you want to replay, the, the good thing is, is you can by going to Sue Freeze, like fries, one word, dot com and listen to the podcast. 
So we're at the close of the first half, and we will see you right after this brief break. Have you noticed more insects or rodents in your yard or maybe in your home? Warmer weather means it's mating season. What's your sign? Hi, this is Sue Freeze of Ecola Termite Pest Control, but you can call me the Termite Lady. And I'm Tyson Freeze, manager at Ecola. When pests start mating, they start looking for food supplies. Your pantry, your garage, and a quick infestation can cost hundreds in tainted food. You don't want pests in your house. We know how to find and eliminate them before they can settle in. Call us for our free pestimate at 877-332-BUGS. New customers get $50 off any initial treatment. Pests hate that we make our service so affordable. Don't let insects and rodents move in. Call E. Cola now, 877-332-BUGS. That's 877-332-BUGS. Or online at termitelady.com. E. Cola, powerful termite and pest control. As gentle as a butterfly. E. Cola, 877-332-BUGS, termitelady.com. What would you do if your two-year-old child simply stopped breathing? The day businesswoman and author Sue Freeze discovered her son had developed life-threatening asthma, her life changed forever, sending her on a path of learning, discovery, and environmental activism. Sue's book, Learning to Breathe, chronicles her amazing life-and-death battle for her son Tyson's life, a how-to manual for parents of children with asthma, revealing the secret causes, surprising cures, and the untold truth about harmful indoor allergens. Written with the passion of a loving mother, wisdom of a successful businesswoman, and deep spiritual devotion, Learning to Breathe is a hero's journey for the parent in all of us. If your child suffers from asthma, this must-read book could save your child's life. Learning to Breathe by author Sue Freeze, available on Amazon, or log on to SueFreeze.com. That's SueFreeze.com. SueFreeze.com. You're listening to The Sue Freeze Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. And here again is Sue Freeze. Thank you so much, Ecola Termite and Pest Control Services, for sponsoring this show. And if you would like to sponsor business people out there, I'd love to talk to you. All you have to do is go to Sue Freeze, spelt like fries, one word, dot com, and I will help you through this. We will, I will ask you questions, you will answer the questions, and we'll just figure out if it's a good fit. We are uh, syndicated, and that means this show goes all over the world with the Internet, but it also is on radio um, and it plays usually on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays, and it plays in San Diego, Orange County, L.A., Riverside, San Bernardino, Oxnard, Ventura County, Santa Barbara, up Santa Maria, and San Luis Obispo. Those are the areas where Ecola services our customers, and it's also where Sue Freeze is playing. And then uh, we've got other places that we also play, and with, like I said, the Internet, you can listen at your leisure on the podcast. So that's really great that um, that's available to you. So I have people from Europe uh, listening and, uh, you know, like all over the place. It's really kind of fun. I also have Randy um, that's in prison and he listens and he sends me letters. And Randy, thank you so much for writing me these letters and and telling me and encouraging me and inspiring me to keep going. And um, I just really appreciate that because this is God's work and um, this is not a moneymaker for me. It's something that God has called me to do, and I'm very grateful and thankful that I'm able to do that. So with all that being said, um, we also have on the Sue Freeze site, the SueFreeze.com, is there are three pages of the I Ams. The I Ams are 
I, I pulled them out of the Bible. It's three pages where it, it says what God says we are. Like, I am victorious. I am a conqueror. I am a child of God. I am ambassador of Christ. And it goes on and on and on. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, it, it just goes on and on. But there's three pages of those. And look, if you've got those tapes running around in your head that are telling you you're not, that you're less than, then you need to stop listening to those tapes. And the only way you can do that is by, you know, changing it and taking those out and putting something else in that's more positive. And what could be more positive than God's word? So there's two different things you can do. You can get the free three-page copy of the scriptures, or there is another button, another tile on the website that you can actually push where you can um, pick out the scriptures that are most important to you. You can record them with your own voice because it is a known fact that psychologically you hear your voice and your soul and spirit hears your voice better than anybody else's voice. And when you speak the scriptures into the phone, you, you, you make a phone call, you speak the scriptures into the phone, you can get an MP3 or you can get a, a, a memory stick and you play these at night or in, in the morning or both. And it will transform you by the renewing of your mind. And it works. And it's really important that we erase, that we replace those bad tapes, the tapes that were, you know, that self-talk, that's not, it's not a good self-talk. We, we got to change it with good self-talk because God knows and he created you and he believes that you are a piece of art. I mean, he created you. You're in his image and he loves you and he wants you to do mighty things for his kingdom. And if you keep listening to these bad tapes, it's going to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. And if you have unforgiveness in your heart, that's another one that needs to be cleaned. You know, you need to clean it. And sometimes it takes a choice in your head before, and your heart will follow. But the, the forgiveness starts in your head, and that person might not deserve to be forgiven. And I get that because I have that. But I was holding myself prisoner by not forgiving that other person. And it was a big lesson for me. And I'll tell you, when I understood that and I was obedient to making a choice to forgive this person that didn't deserve to be forgiven. It was like there was a washing that came over me and it opened up. It just opened up my heart, opened up my mind, floodgate of tears, of course. But it really released me from the bondage that I had from unforgiveness. And you could be, you could be struggling with that. That could be what's holding you back. And it sounds so simple. It's not. It's work. But the choice of choosing is simple. And your heart will follow. It might take some time, and that's okay. God will work through it with the Holy Spirit. And you will be refreshed and renewed. And it's amazing. It's an amazing refreshing, an amazing breakthrough for you to get that. Somebody needed to hear that. So thank you. Um, thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. So Luke 16.10 in the New International Version, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. That scripture right there is a life lesson. It is such a life lesson. And understand this, okay? Beware, okay? Because it could be the littlest of things, but you need to be trusted with it. Last night, I got locked into my parking lot. And I won't go into detail, but I got locked into my parking lot. It's personal. It's kind of funny, but not really, but kind of funny. And uh, it was very impossible because gate closes and then the lock is a combination lock and it's on the outside and it's kind of hard to get to. 
Well, I wear this little diamond bracelets, really tiny, tiny, along with my Pray First little rubber bracelet and then my uh, magnetic bracelet that I wear. Um, and I got home and realized my little tiny diamond bracelet that I've been wearing for a very long time was gone. And I thought, oh, maybe it's in my sleeve. But it wasn't. It was. It, it had um, got caught on the metal fence, and I thought I totally uh, wiped out my hand here with a big gouge with a rusty metal fence. And uh, what had happened, and I didn't even realize that it, it had caught on this bracelet, and it actually broke it. But I didn't realize it until last night, and it was like 1030 at night. And I thought, oh, who gets into the office first? Because I have a feeling it's sitting right on the driveway, right in the parking lot, you know, right there on the cement. And I'm like, who could I ask to go find that for me? And I'm thinking, oh, wow, you know, if I tell a lot of people, then, you know, what, what could happen? I don't know. You always want to trust every single person, right? But I, I ended up texting my bookkeeper because she gets there early. And I said, hey, could you please go look? I know it's cold outside because, man, was it cold this morning, 38 degrees. Whew, it was cold. Anyway, so she went out there and she texts me back. She goes, it's broken, but I found it. And I went, oh, praise God, she found it. So now I just got to get it fixed. But, you know, there's trust in that. It's a little thing, right? It's, it's a little thing, but there's trust in that. And then how about somebody that, that is dishonest just in, in something simple, just the simplest of thing? But then the question is, well, if they're dishonest with the simple thing, would they be dishonest with a, a bigger thing? And so I, I just wanted to clarify that a little bit because I think there's so much in that one verse. It's Luke 16.10. And you know what I've realized this last year? More than ever is trust. You can't really have a relationship if you don't have trust. Do you realize that? That if you're in a marriage and you cannot trust your partner or your partner can't trust you, you've got to hold that so carefully. That relationship you cannot break that trust. Once you break that trust, it's really hard to get that trust back, if at all. So be careful, really. Be careful about that and, and make sure that you're honest. You're honest about how you're feeling about something. You're honest about what you're saying. You're honest in your actions and your words. It's really important, and I think somebody needed to hear that too. And that's such a big lesson because I've discovered that even with my employees, the people that I want to surround me with, the, the key staff, I have to be able to trust them, them with my baby, which is my company, my babies. You know, I mean, I've been dealing with this company for a long time, and, and the people are so important, and the company and the customers were all so important, that, you know. And um, so it's really important that I can trust those that I put in positions to make decisions and whatnot, that I can trust that they're going to take care of it like I would, or at least, uh, you know, have that same heart that I have. And that's not easy sometimes. It's not easy to do that. And those that I have given that with, they understand that it's not easy for me. And they understand that they guard that with everything. They protect that trust. Because if I don't have that, then it's, it's not going to work. Discovering and maximizing the unique talent God has given me. Malenko Van Der Stahl. I hope I'm not massacring her name. I think it's a her. I'm not sure. Being talented might mean something quite different than you would think. For example, that you have many trials. The parable of the talents. Trials are talents. Trials are talents too. Think about that. Your trials are talents too. In the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, 14, 30, Jesus talks about a master who gave each of his servants the different number of talents. 
The intention was that they should gain a profit for the master with what had been entrusted to them. The talents in the parable are generally said to be our abilities and strong points. Like when we say that somebody is very talented, but the talents also represent the circumstances God has given me in life, opportunities where I can carry out God's will. And when I say me or I, I mean, it could be you. It's you. Okay, so God has given you in life opportunities where you can carry out God's will. Now, I must see myself and my life through God's eyes. Why did he give me this body? Why did he give me this body? Why did he give you your body? This personality, these abilities, this family, these circumstances. Can I see that they are talents that have been entrusted to me? Can you see that? Rub off the rough edges, maybe. But can you see how that's happened? I mean, you wouldn't be the same person if you were in a different family. You wouldn't be the same person if you had a different body. You'd be different. You would deal with things different. You'd come from a different perspective. Trials and hardships or good times and prosperity are all opportunities that God has entrusted to me and to you personally. In fact, in God's eyes, many challenges mean that I have been given many talents. So your challenges is giving you talents. Many trials mean I am very talented. And I am the only one who can carry out these tasks because my set of circumstances is completely unique according to God's purpose. Do you see how this applies to you? I just had this talk with one of my very special employees about his life and where he's come from. And he's been through so much. And he's such a genuine diamond. And he still believes he's a diamond in the rough. I think he's a total diamond. And God is going to use him mightily. He already is using him, but he's going to use him even more mightily. And where he come, where he's come from, he realizes now, as of yesterday and probably before that, he realizes just how everything he's been through has created him to be who he is and he can handle things like nobody else that I know. And I'm very grateful for him and his trust in being able to talk uh, and feeling safe enough to talk to me about the most intimate of details and on, you know, situations that, you know, we can feel embarrassed about our past. We can. We can feel ashamed. But God doesn't want us to be ashamed because he gives us grace. You know, he, he asks us to forgive others. But, you know, the hardest thing for me and maybe for you is to forgive ourselves. That's a very difficult thing to do. I'm, I'm the hardest on me. And you might be the same way. I don't know. God trusts me to use these possibilities to come to development and growth and gain eternal content. And he has given me the tools to do so. If I am willing, and I keep, I, this is written by somebody else, and I wish it said, if you are willing. So I'm hoping you can change the I to you. <laughs> God gives me or you his word to teach me what to do. And the Holy Spirit to give me the strength to carry it out. So if he gives it to me, he's given it to you. Jesus has gone ahead as a forerunner to show me the way. In each situation, with each talent I have been given, God's name can be glorified. 
like Jesus did in John 12, 27, 28. God's will can be done like Jesus did in Luke twenty two forty two. And I can gain an eternal weight of glory. Giving account for the talents I have been given in the parable, the servants had to give account for the talents entrusted to them. Two of them had managed them wisely, so they had gained a profit. This can be compared to using my circumstances to gain eternal riches. God's investment in me is that he has given me a body, my body, and circumstances where I can do his will. The profit he expects in return is that sin is eradicated piece by piece in my life and that it is replaced with a new creation, virtues, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. That's a really good one to memorize. Eternal life, John 12.25, Romans 2.6 and 7, and above all, that through all these things, God is glorified by my body and my situations. When we're going through trials and tribulations, sometimes we don't understand, you know, what's happening and we don't understand the message. We're just trying to get through it. And hopefully we're asking for God's guidance, for the Holy Spirit to guide our every thought and our every action, our every step, our every word. Sometimes we fall short. And yeah, yeah, we all fall short of the glory of God. It says it right in the Bible. But his grace is sufficient for me and for you. And it says that too. The master praised the first two servants, saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. However, we already went through this, but I'm going to go through it again because I think it's a really good message. The third servant who had received one talent had hidden it in the ground and had nothing to show for what he had been given in his care. The master was very displeased with him, calling him wicked and lazy and saying, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to every who has, everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance. I love that word abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This can seem harsh and unfair. After all, he had been given the least talents of all three servants and he gave back what he had received, didn't he? But the point was that he hadn't used the talent He had been given. He was lazy and not willing to do any work. Not only had he not made profit, but the talent was probably damaged and rotten from being buried in the ground. The master's judgment was absolutely just and fair. That's a huge lesson right there. I'm hoping you're hearing. I mean, it's not about him and it's not about, you know, him burying his talent. It's about you and what are you doing with yours? That's the message. We learn from other people. We don't have to go through every knock and and bump and grind. We don't have to go through everything. We can learn from other people. We can watch people and say, I want to be more like that person. What is that person doing that's different than those people over there? Because that person is the kind of person or the lifestyle I want or or whatever it is. I want to be more godly. I want I want to be more kind. I want to be more giving. Whatever the issue is, you look and you find a person that has that and you're saying, what's different? And of course, it's going to be God. But it's also, you know, there's habits, maybe there's things that they're doing differently than everybody else. And that's creating 
and using the talents that God had given that person. Life lessons from the parable of the talents. I'm in the same position as the unprofitable servant. If I have gained nothing from the situations God has given me, no matter what those circumstances are, in fact, doing nothing is the same as allowing my natural tendency to sin and fester and grow. So the end is worse than the start. This is written by, um, I don't remember. I have to, at the end, I will tell you who it's from because it's, I didn't write this. But now I can do something with the opportunities and grace God has given me. The result of my circumstances, great or small, long or short, heavy or light, should always be that something of eternal value has been created. Where there was impatience, there is now patience. Where there was ingratitude, there is now thankfulness. Where I had trouble bearing the others, there is now love. Where I was weak, I have become strong. Then I will hear those wonderful words from the mouth of my master, whom I have served all my life. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of our Lord. That is so good. What a wonderful message for us, isn't it? And I'm hoping that you're hearing the heart and, you know, the true message of, the, of this message, the, you know, making a message out of a mess is that the good news is, is God is there and God wants to guide us if we ask him. He's not going to pull you out. He's not going to push you and, you know, he doesn't make things happen to us. But he will allow things to happen to us based on our decisions. And he has given us freedom of choice because he truly wants you to choose him. That is for sure. And he wants you to choose to forgive. He wants you to choose that. Even in our mess, there is a message. What's yours going to be? And this life that we're living, no matter what age you are, because I have people of all ages listening to the Sufri show, from all walks of life. And what I can say is, is that this message is life is a journey. And as long as we have breath, we have hope. And my hope for you is that you hear this message and it helps you to determine your next steps. And it helps you determine the goals that you want to create. And understand that where you've been is where you've been. It's your past. And it's just that. It's your past. And you learn from it and you move on. And it's preparing you for the next and the next and the next assignment. And what you do with your life is your decision. You decide how you're going to believe and how you're going to act and how you're going to perceive. And are you going to be thankful for the simplest of things? I find that when I get down, that the thing that can pull me out the fastest is just starting to count my blessings. And when I start counting my blessings, my world changes. I know we're all going through things. I, I know you are. I know you're going through things and God knows more than anyone what you're going through. And, and just understand, he does hear you. There's been times in my life that it just seems so still and so quiet. And I said, where are you, God? I just don't feel you. I don't sense you. I don't hear you. Where are you right now? I feel so alone. And that might be you right now. And it wasn't until I got past that and I get up every morning and I'm looking for opportunities to help and serve. And be a good steward with the talents that God has given me. I want to do what God wants me to do. 
And if I'm doing something that's obstructing that from happening, then I need to stop that and I need to go the other way. But it all starts with prayer. Pray first. I have a prayer warrior that prays for me and his name is Bill. And I have to tell you that, you know, his conversations with me, they're not always, you know, fun. Um, But he speaks the truth and whether I like it or not, and it's good. It's good. And we need to have someone like that, that can speak the truth over our lives and, and, you know, just what's going on and, you know, make sure it's a godly person that they're using scripture because you want to make sure that what you're getting is, is from God. Give up the illusion that you deserve a problem-free life. Part of you is still hungering for the resolution of, of all difficulties. This is a false hope. As I told my disciples in the world, you have trouble. Link your hope not to problem solving in this life, but to the promise of an eternity of problem-free life in heaven. Instead of seeking perfection in this fallen world, pour your energy into seeking me, the perfect one. It is possible to enjoy me and glorify me in the midst of adverse circumstance. In fact, my light shines most brightly through believers who trust me in the dark. That kind of trust is supernatural, production of my indwelling spirit. When things seem all wrong, trust me anyway. I am much less interested in right circumstances than in right responses to whatever comes your way. God bless you. Be a blessing to someone or more than one every day. Bye-bye for now. It's that time of the year when bugs multiply like crazy and start looking for a home, your home. Ants, spiders, fleas, earwigs, termites, and a lot of other creepy crawly critters, even rats and other varmints. It's time to call E. coli Termite and Pest Control Services. They offer complete ecological pest control of rodents and insects. Ecola has one-time services, ongoing monthly services, their most popular and economical every-other-month service, and even quarterly service for occasional pest problems. Ecola keeps rats and mice out and eliminates insects in their nests. It's the most effective way, and their termite control is legendary. So call Ecola today for a free estimate of complete pest control at 877-332-BUGS. No more creepy-crawly critters like ants, spiders, fleas, earwigs, termites, rats, and other pests. Call them at 877-332-BUGS. 877-332-BUGS. E.C.O.L.A. Powerful pest control services as gentle as a butterfly. Ask about their two-year warranty. Call 877-332-BUGS.